From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we get to talk great guards, good browns, bounce back Buckeyes, a goat heading off into the sunset, and the future. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever co-hosts. Phil Denko is here. Hey, Gerbs. Thanks for having me. You bet, buddy. Meme master Chuck Rambaldo is here as well. That sounds enthralling, actually. Let me hear now. All right. This is a gig, Chuck, that probably didn't exist three years ago, but now pays an estimated 35000 bucks a year. All you need, the ability to identify memeable moments, a passion for TikTok, and you must be interested in social media and food. But past meme making experience is required ever ask yourself how the fuck is that a job <laughs> we'll show you at indeed.com i had all that stuff except past meme making experience oh get on it, it can't buddy. be hard though that's like a part-time oh. gig too that, that would work out Chuck. if you're looking to supplement yeah. that income buddy Maybe being a meme Indeed. maker is the way to go. Fellas, let us roll into our first segment. We'll stay at home in the land. Start with a Guardians week cap, recapping the week for the Cleveland Guardians. And look out, PETA added Terry Francona to its most wanted list because the guards were killing cats and birds all week. <laughs> oh, boy. Guards started with a sweep of the Tigers and closed out the week, winning two of three from the Blue Jays. The guards finished the week 61 and 53. And thanks to my second favorite team ever, the Anaheim Angels, the guards now have a two and a half game lead over the Twins and the White Sox in the Central Division. Obviously, a fantastic week. Let's talk MVG, most valuable guard. Some options or pick one if I left somebody off. Ahmed Rosario. Hit 320, had five RBIs, and scored five runs this week. Shane Bieber, 2-0, 1.29 ERA, 14 Ks in two starts. Emmanuel Classe had three appearances. He was two for two in save appearances, but he did give up a hit. Andres Jimenez <laughs> batted 444, had eight hits, two walks, and three stolen bases. Honorable mention, Brian Shaw, 1-0. Gave up no hits, gave up no runs, had four Ks. He will never, ever, ever stop pitching. <laughs> Who's your MVG for the week? That's a, it's a really good list. It's hard to pick. Uh, I, I could add a, a Cal Con Quantrill to that list as well. He, he, gave, he gave up one hit over seven innings. In that, I think it was that first game in Toronto, which was never in doubt. I mean, we were up big. But to have a start like that out of that guy was huge this week. But I'm going to lean towards our ace, man. Shane Bieber, we came into this week. We knew we wanted to dominate this week. And he got two wins one against each of the teams. And that was huge. It was just a really well, well played week of baseball. So it's really hard to single out one MVG, right? I mean, it was great baseball offensively and defensively in all six games, really. And the only game we lost, we gave up what two solo shots and that's how we lost the game. It was really a good week, but I'll, I'll lean toward Shane Bieber with his two wins in six days. Bieber hit 94 today too, by the yeah. way, which is you know, we were worried about that. So can't take anything away from him, but I think I'm going to go with Jimenez just because all around game. And uh, you didn't even mention, I know you mentioned stolen bases and the batting average and the run score. That play he made when he threw oh, it yeah. out at home Huge. was yeah. absolutely yeah. disgusting. I don't know. I, well, it's probably more of a base running error, I would assume. <laughs> I don't know why that guy's not going off the bat, but a guy who 
man, he's super exciting to watch. The more I watch him, the more you go, this guy's, he's a superstar now. How good is he going to be in two years? So just for this week, I'll take him. I don't disagree with either of you guys on those selections. It's hard to pick. I, I lean in some respects towards a Med Rosario just because it blows my mind that three months ago we were talking about how this guy might make a really nice trade piece to bring in, you know, a consistent bat. And he was fantastic, <laughs> man. They chased the Blue Jays starter who right now, one yeah. of the best pitchers that they have, they chased him in like four innings today. And it started with Rosario's home run. But it's hard to go away from Bieber because I really think, and we're going to get to it in a second, the starting rotation is carrying this team through a really good series of games and weeks this month and last month. And so you got to give it to Beaver because he's the leader, leader of that crew. And, and it's just been outstanding the last couple of starts that he's had. So I'm going to give my MVG to Shane Bieber. Tell me, guys, which of these stats has you most excited for the 48-game final stretch that starts tomorrow. Since July 9th, the bullpen is leading the big leagues with a 2.24 ERA. Next one, guards are 20 and 12 in one-run games this season. Next one, they are 30 and 25 against teams with winning records this season. Last one, for the last eight games, our starters together have gone 51 and a third innings. They've only given up seven earned runs. They have 47 strikeouts, six walks, and during that time, the starting rotation's ERA is 1.22. There's so many stats in the last 30 seconds, but um, <laughs> I still I think, I think I think it's the last one. Um, the fact that the starting pitching has been so good uh, for these past couple weeks, even um, you know, like I think we were a little worried. At least I was worried about it early in the season, even up until the All Star rate. These guys weren't going deep in games. Obviously, they're on pitch counts, but. When they're being this dominant, I don't care what team, I don't care if it's inflated by Detroit for 10 more games. I don't give a shit. The fact that they are playing that well, pitching that well, uh, and, and really the only game they lost this week, they could have won that game. They, it was, I think they were one for 10 with runners in scoring because it's just a toss-up game. But if they're being that dominant right now uh, and that continues, it's going to be a fun run, man. I am also leaning towards the last stat you said, the starting pitching. I think um, over the course of the next 48 games, it's a pretty even breakdown. We play some playoff teams. We play some teams with about the same record as us, and we play some bad teams like Detroit and Kansas City and things like that. So what I want to see over those 48 games is is what we just saw. The, the starters went out there in these last six games, and every everyone except for the one game, and we ended up winning the game anyway. So five out of the last six games, they, they entered the seventh inning, all the starters, yeah. which is amazing. That's awesome. So you keep that up. And I'm sure that's why our, our bullpen is is also turning out the stat that yeah. you had mentioned. You keep that up over the next 48 games, and I like our chances of staying on top of this division for sure. Love the pitchers for sure, but I really love the fact that they have a winning record against teams with winning records. That's not what I think you would expect to see, especially considering we play in kind of a crappy division where we get to play some bad teams. But they still have something like 30 games left this season against teams with winning records and their ability to win those games to go out like they did this weekend and play really really well against a good Toronto team that bodes well for them being able to make a run and to continue to hold on to 
this lead because the, the Twins and the White Sox have got to play good teams too. They have almost as many games, I think, against winning teams as we do. But I don't think they have the record that we do. And I don't think they're going to have the ability to – it probably is the starting pitching that makes that happen for us. I don't think either of those two teams can compete with that. So I like the fact that they've got that winning record against good teams. That's going to be helpful going down the stretch. Next week, Tigers are back for four games in Cleveland, starting with a doubleheader on Monday. And it's worth mentioning that I heard from – my non-commissioned officer, Sergeant Landon Green, from when I was in Iraq, is a diehard Tigers fan, and he reached out to me this week after listening to our episode and said, I can't believe you just said that they would win the series against the Tigers. Think bigger when you play Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to think bigger with these four games coming up this week against the Tigers. Uh, White Sox in town to close out the week with a three-game set. Are the guards increasing their lead in the central during this week. Yes. I think we're about to see the white Sox surpass the twins and it'll be the guards and the white Sox at the top of the division. And we still happen to end the week against these white Sox. So um, I'm thinking three or four games against the tigers to, to pat our stats and then go ahead and win that series against Chicago. Take two, two of the three games. I got to keep saying what I've been saying for a couple of weeks. They're playing really good baseball. Uh, so I would expect two series wins. I'd love another sweep. I'm, I'm gonna with your Sergeant Green commission, Sergeant Green. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with him. I'm gonna think big here. I'd love a sweep, Sarge. I'd appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, and then you take two or three from the Sox, and now you start to separate here. This is a big week uh, for the Guardians. Like I'm, I'm assuming we're gonna say every week's a big week, but you know you're you're playing division teams and the doubleheader. Maybe you know like that's the only thing that might concern me when you're calling up another guy to pitch that game. Yeah. But man, yeah. Only in Major League Baseball is 48 games, like the home stretch of the season. <laughs> yeah. But I agree. These are big games against division rivals this week, and they're all winnable. I, I think the Guardians will extend that lead over the White Sox and the Twins by the end of this week. So a really great weekend for the guards. Hopefully another one is about to start up tomorrow. But let's move on to our 13 Shades of Brown, our 13-week preview of the Browns' upcoming season. Only three weeks to go, and only one rule for this week, do not talk about any quarterbacks. The first preseason game is in the books. Give me your single hottest take from the game. Uh, the kid from Cincinnati can play? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Or the wide receiving core might be in trouble? <laughs> or? But I'll stick with the positive. Let's stick with the positive. That kid had a hell of a game, man. My single take from this game, I'm going to try to encapsulate both Jerome Ford and M MJ Emerson in one take. And somehow it looks like the Browns found real players starting in the third round of the draft. <laughs> um, those two rookies had a hell of a game, I mean, you know, against the twos. But still, this is what we want to see from these young guys. So I really like our depth. Yeah, I like that, too. At one point, I had thought of asking a question about if every starter in the NFL, including all the Brown starters, all get injured, do we have the best team in the league? Because our twos and our threes looked fantastic <laughs> on Friday night. And the ones, not so good. But the twos and threes look great. It's only the preseason. But I'll tell you what, I'm always bothered by sloppiness from the Browns. Dropped passes, penalties, things like that. That is a throwback to the Freddie Kitchens teams that were so undisciplined and just could never get themselves going. And I saw way too much of that, but I get it. It's one preseason game, nothing to panic about, nothing to worry about. But I would like to see as these games continue 
some of that that stuff cleaned up. It's hard enough to win in the NFL without making those kind of mistakes. You got a game ball, Chucky, other than for Ford for the preseason game? Yeah, and because he was a draft pick and he was a later draft pick, he had uh, a defensive kid because I, I only saw parts of the game. Uh, the newborn was being super fussy, and so was the app that should remain nameless. It was being fussy as well. <laughs> it kept, kept freezing up. Um, who had two sacks? Perry on Winfrey? Yeah. yeah. Rookie? Yeah, I yeah. Thought- yeah, rookie, another rookie. I'll give him the game ball. All right. I'm going to give my game ball to, to Joe Thomas. My favorite part of the preseason is Joe Thomas is calling the games. And this year they paired him up with Chris Rose, who is from Cleveland, you know, and he's a national broadcaster. You had mentioned last week that, and, and you know, it makes sense. We don't get local TV broadcasts for NFL right. football, right? It's all radio. So this is the only time you get local TV broadcasts. And Chris Rose and Joe Thomas is a pretty good duo. Some network should look into that. I had to watch the game on the app that shall remain nameless, and I got the Jacksonville feed. So mm. I had some announcer who kept on calling Dearness Johnson Dearness Brown, like the entire game. <laughs> <laughs> well, he plays for the Browns. That must be his name. So no game ball for that guy. I'm giving mine to Josh Dobbs. Josh yeah, Dobbs yeah. played really yeah. well, man. Like yeah. if that's if that's going to be your backup or your third string guy, like, hey, he looked competent. He looked like he could move the team. He looked like he knew the playbook and understood where his receivers and stuff like that were going to be. I really think he was across the line of scrimmage on that one pass that he threw for a touchdown. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's preseason for the replay guys, too, so we got away with it. But I'll give mine to Dobbs. I thought that was all right. If the Browns are making the playoffs, the road obviously has to go first through the AFC North. Now, last year, I think we slept on the Steelers because of Big Ben. And we slept on the Ravens because they had so many injuries in the preseason and early in the year. And then the Bengals came out of nowhere to win what ended up being a really competitive division from top to bottom. Going into 2022, is the division going to be more or less competitive than it was last year? Wow. Uh, It was pretty competitive last year. (laughs) I'm going to lean towards more, but almost kind of the same. I think it's going to be it's going to be Baltimore, Cincinnati, Cleveland battling it out and a lot goes into that, right? Like who's under center for the Browns for how many games and the, the timing of that makes a big deal. Although I, I wouldn't be surprised if if the Steelers are in last place, I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers are actually okay, you know? I mean, maybe not even a winning record, but you you know, eight wins, something like that. That wouldn't surprise me at all. So I think top to bottom is going to be a pretty tough division. And I don't know if our Browns are in a, in a great position uh, going in. I think it's going to be more competitive. Ravens are healthy. Well, everybody's healthy right now. That's my, might be what it comes down to. Which team stays the healthiest? I, I watched some of the Steelers preseason game. Uh, they look just fine, man. Uh, and I was like so disappointed that they looked just fine. <laughs> uh, but but like Trubisky looked pretty good. Um, and that offense looked fine. The defense looked great. Uh, but I, I think this they're going to trade wins kind of like they did a little bit last year. These teams are going to beat up on each other. Uh, and whoever's healthiest, I guess, towards the end of the year is, is probably who's going to win the division. It's hard to imagine anything other than another really tough season in this division. I can't bring myself to think that the Steelers will suck, although they should. They should have terrible quarterback play, and we know that that should lead to a record of like five wins and 12 losses. That's what it should be. But somehow the Steelers are just going to find a way to not make that happen, play everybody competitive and tough. I think the Ravens are probably going to be really good. It's going to be a weird situation where Lamar Jackson may be playing for a contract. 
is he's going to be an unrestricted free agent next year, and he is going to stop negotiating with them once the season starts. And, and I don't know, maybe you get like, like a bit of a letdown in Cincinnati. Like that happens after a Super Bowl run. You know, there might be a letdown there. Overall, I think it's going to be a really tough division, and it's so hard to try to figure out right now where the Browns will be because you're not quite sure about all of the pieces and where they'll be and whether they'll be playing 11 games or 10 games or no games. So without that gigantic piece figured out right now, hard to say where the Browns even fall in that division. I I still think it is going to be a division that comes down to the final week of the year or final two weeks of the year for somebody to win it. I think it's going to stay that close. That'll do it for another episode of 13 Shades of Brown. Why don't we take our first break? We're going to come back and talk professional college football in the Ohio State Buckeyes. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road and start with Ohio State football and our first look at the Buckeyes' upcoming season. As you may recall, last year was apparently a rebuilding year for the Buckeyes. They were 11-2, and and they won the Rose Bowl, but they lost to Michigan. During the season, the offense was number one in the nation in total offense, number one in scoring, number two in third down conversions, number three in passing. The defense, well, not great, (laughs) but they did get better as the season went on. The offense is bringing back Heisman candidate C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith, the Jigba at wide receiver, and an offensive line with three legit NFL prospects. The defense will have a new look and a new coordinator. Buckeyes get to play Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Michigan at home in Columbus this year. Scale of one to five. One being an 11 and one Rose Bowl winning disappointment season, five being a Big Ten title and a trip to the championship game. Where does OSU end up this year? Interesting scale. One, they're both pretty decent, but I'm assuming it's it's championship here. And that was the five, right? Yes, sir. I have to go that way. You have an unbelievable quarterback, an unbelievable offense that I know lost some wide receivers, but they'll be just fine if the defense gets it right. And you're saying the meat of their schedule, anybody they're really worrying about, they're playing at home this year. So why not? I don't see why they can't just run the table. I'm at a five. Oh my oh, gosh, wow. that's the first time I've been at a five in a long time. <laughs> I think Michigan State is the only tough team in the Big Ten that they play on the road. I think that's the only one, and that's usually a winnable game for them, even if they've got to go on the road to do it. I don't know if I'm at a five. I'm going to put it at a four. I, I, you're right. I think they go to Michigan State. I, do they go? I think they go to Penn State, too, this year. Yes. So, yes, they so do. Those right. two, those two are potential hiccups so to speak but you could probably sustain one loss in any given season and and be okay so i'm gonna put it at a four i i the question mark is the defense this is a program that used to have the best defense in one of the more defensive uh minded conferences and and now they're built like a like a big 12 team we're gonna score 56 points and give up 48 every week you know so but who knows i mean they're, they're gonna have Let's see these young these young guys on defense come together, hopefully under a new coordinator, and they should be able to put up points like crazy on the offensive side of the ball, so maybe hold the other team to like three or four scores. You'd be all right. I guess it all comes down to the defense. Otherwise, the sky is the limit for this team. If that defense can be just half better than they were last year, they don't need to be dominant. They don't need to be the number one defense in the country. They just need to be pretty good. 
and they need to make some plays. And you're right. The offense is going to score 50 every game. It's, it's absurd what they're going to do on offense, but it's going to come down to that defense. It's going to come down to whether or not they can make enough plays during the season to put them in a position to win the Big Ten so they can get into the playoff uh, and get to that championship game. We'll see. Offense does not seem like it should be a question. Defense, I think, will be, though. The other side of the Big Ten, of course, is its television deal. So the Big Ten is working on a new TV deal with Fox, CBS, and NBC. It's going to end its relationship with ESPN probably in the next two years. And this deal is going to be more than a billion dollars from these networks to broadcast Big Ten games. Notre Dame has a long-running relationship with NBC. I think for our entire lives, basically, Notre Dame has played Saturday afternoons on NBC. Is this the deal that gets Notre Dame into the Big Ten? Maybe. Well, I think that's the the obvious move, right? I, I guess if NBC gets a huge Big Ten deal and Notre Dame, both geographically and based on the last few years where they're at in the national rankings, would be a great addition to the Big Ten. Uh, maybe that makes sense because maybe now it's it's the dollars and the football follow the same path, uh, so they get it together. I, I don't know. We keep talking about in previous shows about where this where college football is going. Like, are we getting into these super conferences? And if that's the case, Notre Dame is joining one of them. And why wouldn't it be whatever the Midwest super conference is, Big Ten or whatever they want to call it? I guess my question is this: They're negotiating separately with each network, or that. Each network, all those three are going to have Big Ten games on it. All of them will have games. So it is a combination of Fox, CBS, and NBC broadcasting at that point, I think, like every Big Ten game. So get ready for your, like, like, Maryland Rutgers Saturday afternoon on (laughs) CBS. (laughs) Right. That's pretty – that's amazing, actually. What that's telling me is that – the Big Ten is basically your other than SEC uh, is your show conference. If three networks are going to be carrying their games, yeah. and I, I assume there's going to be a lot of money in that for for Notre Dame. But man, are they? I'm trying to think of any other. Is there any other independent college football team other than them? Because I'm kind of sick of hearing this. I hope they join any fucking league. But it'd be better for them to join the Big Ten. It just makes sense. It's made sense probably for the last ten years for them to join the Big Ten. I can't imagine the TV revenues chop. Is it chopped equally between? All teams there's are no all universities. Like, yeah. There's n- there's no final numbers on anything like that. And right. I actually don't know. I I imagine that Ohio State's getting more TV money than Rutgers. That right. just has to be the case. But yeah. I'm, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how that I don't know how that part breaks down. If it doesn't happen, yeah, if they don't <laughs> if they don't join when you have three major networks and getting a piece of that TV revenue, then what are they going to do? Join like Conference USA and just be the best team there <laughs> and, and, you know, like just beat up everybody down there and, and then them and UTEP can play for a championship. <laughs> uh, they have to make a move. Every college is shuffling now. And in two years, you're saying so at that point, we're pretty close to USC being in Big Ten yep. by then, too. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they they have no choice. They have to be they have to be in at that point. I like that you've given them no choice now. You've sent the ultimatum. Yeah, they have no choice. You're, you're dead as no. a football program, Notre Dame, <laughs> if you don't join the Big Ten. That's correct. <laughs> I think it's interesting that NBC comes into this mix. I really do think is the last thing that would keep Notre Dame out of a conference. Because the reason Notre Dame doesn't join anything is because Notre Dame doesn't have to share money with anybody 
on Saturday afternoon. They have that deal all to themselves from NBC. But now if you've got the Big Ten on NBC, it's a lot easier to work out a deal that says, hey, all of Notre Dame's games are going to stay on NBC when they're playing in a Big Ten schedule. And Notre Dame is going to get X percentage of the cut for all those games. And it's worth it for the Big Ten to add Notre Dame because it's going to raise all of the values in the league. And Notre Dame can do it without losing its biggest moneymaker, which is not having to share with another conference that revenue on Saturday afternoon from NBC. I actually think that's the only reason NBC is included in this deal is because it makes it easier for Notre Dame to to jump into the Big Ten. We'll see. We're going to know in a year or two, this stuff's all going to shake out at least for the first time. And then like five years after that, it's probably going to shake out again and we'll get something different. NBC says it wants to make the Big Ten the NFL of college football. Is that a good thing? A bad thing? Is it just inevitable? What does that mean? <laughs> the NFL of college I think they're going to start paying the players. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I think they already have. I think that that's okay now. NBC wants to make the Big Ten the NFL of football. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know how to break that. I, that's, I, I guess what they're saying is that the Big Ten is just going to take over the market share of of everything, right? You know, every TV, radio broadcast, it's all Big Ten all the time. That's great to hear from NBC and great to hear in Big Ten country, but man, that's not going to happen. You got the SEC down south. Like that's a that's a pretty big deal in college football. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but uh, they they can try. I mean that's great. That's their motivation. Let's let's take the Big Ten and put them on par or beyond what the SEC gets in the southern part of our country. I think they have to make them the <laughs> NFL of college NFL football. Of college football. To be honest, if we're talking about money wise, it's already astronomical. In this may be especially now like that streaming and Amazon like. Amazon owns Thursday Night Football now. More streaming platforms are going to be attacking these type of deals, and they have more money than major networks, whether you believe it or not. This is the last contract. My guess that these major networks, free over-the-air networks, are going to be competitive in, whether they're football or you know, like NFL or college. Because if they get priced out, they might not be able to afford the next contract if they don't land this one. And if that's the case, it's over for NBC and CBS. There's only so many reruns of Days of Our Lives or you can bring back old game shows every summer. They need this stuff to be competitive in a marketplace and to continue to drive ad revenue. If they don't get it this time, the next contract, man, can you imagine that? Like you're going to... Like you're gonna have to be streaming to watch Ohio State yeah. or whoever. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, does the Big Ten create its own streaming network? And you've just got to you download yeah. the Big Ten app, and that's right. where you go. Well, the same way I do for Major League Baseball, yeah. that's yeah. where you go to watch these games. That's wild. This is really gonna play well into our off the field <laughs> uh, <laughs> discussion. This is gonna be great. I guess NBC is doing what I think, or at least their goal is what I think college football has been for a really, really long time. Let's stop pretending this is amateur sports uh, and let's put it at the level that it really is. It's big time professional college sports is what they're doing. And that's what NBC is trying to do. Best of luck. We'll see. I think that Big Ten deal is going to be absolutely gigantic once it gets done. To talk about some actual football again, AP's preseason rankings for college football this year. The top four are Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson. The next four, 
Texas A&M, Notre Dame, Michigan, and Utah. Does anyone in that top four drop out? You're saying as the season goes on, like who ends up in the top four positions for playoff? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say that. So, all right. So it was Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson. Yep. Sounds familiar. It does. Like it, really, it really does. <laughs> it does. I think um, – I, I, I want to lean towards one of the SEC teams bows out because they get two losses, but, but I don't know. I'll say, I'll say Georgia might drop out. I could see Clemson dropping out, but either way, one opening spot. And of those next four, I could see that was a, the next four were Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Utah, and who? Michigan. 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 (laughs) 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 They're not, they're not making the top four this year. Sorry. Maybe a Texas A&M, you know, like a team like that. The conference separation this year is still interesting to me. You know, like who who do they play the rest of the season? So I could see one spot in that top four opening up and maybe an, a Texas A&M or a Notre Dame if they beat Ohio State to start the season or if that's our only loss, replacing them. It's a numbers game here, and Phil set the stage really well. I'm just going to go the opposite way based on probably, even though I haven't seen it, a strength of schedule. I'm assuming Utah can probably run a table in the in the conference they're playing in. So if one of those teams bounces out and, and Utah is undefeated at the end of the season, I'm just I'm just strictly playing number game here. Like, why not have them end up in the top four? The two Utes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think these four teams: Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson are there, and they have been there the last few seasons. And I think we're just starting to see a separation between those teams that are at the top and even like the next tier down of teams five through 10. I have a feeling that Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson all probably have a shot at getting like one loss during the year, but they're going to play so many big games during that amount of time that they're still going to be there. Barring unforeseen injuries and stuff like that, I think this goes chalk. And I think those four teams are your playoff teams at the end of the year. Somebody remember what day it is today so we can look back on this sometime in January and see if we were right or it's not. It's Sunday. Um, <laughs> how about the date? <laughs> All right, fellas, that's enough college football. Let's spend a couple minutes talking about a goat. Serena Williams announced her pending retirement this week. Her stat line is absolutely unreal. 39 total Grand Slam titles. That includes her doubles wins. Of those, 23 were singles titles. At one point, she had a 34-match winning streak. She also spent 187 straight weeks at number one. That ties her with Steffi Graf for the most ever. She won 73 times on the Pro Tour. She finished second in tournaments 25 times on top of that. The longevity of her dominance is impressive as well. It was 18 years between her first major win and her last major win. So as Serena Williams heads into retirement, does she have any peers in any sport, or is she the greatest of all time? It's a really great question, and I'm glad you're actually placing her as the possibility of being the greatest athlete of all time. You have to consider it. She changed tennis. Well, both sisters kind of did, and then she kind of took a step beyond Venus, but dominating for that long, I don't I don't know who you could have put above her because I have to compare her to a single sport, like not a team game here. 
I'm not talking about Jordan because he had other guys. He had other guys on his roster. Most of the time, like you're saying, her her, her grand slam wins or her wins are, are singles, even though she had doubles as well. Can I interrupt you and throw yeah. some things out? I think Tiger yeah. is the obvious right, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he'd be the only one. Yeah. 82 tour wins, 15 majors, which, is, uh, you know, a major is comparable to a grand slam. There's only four a year, sure. right? So she's way ahead of him in majors. Nadal, Jokovic, and Federer all had right around 20 major wins in men's tennis. They had higher numbers in total tournament wins than her. But again, like nobody touches her for for those singles titles. That's insane. And a, a much more, at least in, in my opinion, a more physically demanding sport than what Tiger Woods is doing with golf. Uh, at least more exhaustive for a shorter period of time. Maybe it's not long game mentally, whatever. I know we could debate that probably for a whole episode. But she's got to be a top no, three athlete. golf's of... barely a sport. I know. <laughs> <what you're talking>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You don't even have to sweat yeah. to be good at it. Uh, she She has to be a top three athlete of all time. Men, man or woman it's it's crazy that we think about like the the athletes we've got to see in our lifetime and up until right now have you ever put her kind of up there like did you ever seek out to watch her play i know i did a few times but it's not like for the last 20 years i'm like i have to watch her her resume is unparalleled in her sport so i don't know if, I, if i'm ready to call her the, the greatest of all time as, as far as an athlete but but possibly a top three especially man or woman I'm, it doesn't matter there she's got to be a top three of all time Greatest of all time across sports is hard, right? Because there's so many variables there. Um, but she is certainly, certainly the greatest of all time in tennis. I, I could say both men's and women's, certainly women's, but but just based yeah. on what you rattled off there uh, in tennis, period. T to get a, a, a comp on her career, you've got to like, you've got to steal LeBron James NBA career because he's been in it so long that he's about to play against guys that were born during his rookie season, you know, like that kind of stuff. That's, that's basically what she did, right? 18 years later, you're still, you're still winning. You're yeah. still winning at yeah. the top of your game and you're probably playing against yeah. athletes that were born when you started. Yeah. I mean, it's not uncommon for you to see like a 16 year old, oh, of course, especially player. in women's, Make especially on the women's side. Yeah, exactly. Especially right. the women's side. Exactly yeah. right. So that, that for sure happened where she was still dominating and playing against competition that was born when she started. So yeah, I can't think of anyone else. Maybe just because of LeBron James's dominance and his, and his longevity, but that's not the same. Like she is far tiger woods came to mind. Like you said, girls, like that was the, the easiest comparison and I, I don't know. I mean, I take take the physicality out of it. I mean, Tiger Woods made golf pretty physical, whether it should have been or not. I mean, he made it a physical game. He he beat his body up doing what he did. So that would be the only comparison I can think of. And I'm beginning to think that Serena Williams is she's amazing. Like she's an icon and 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 celebrated all across sports and maybe not celebrated enough. I would agree, not celebrated enough. Probably just because no matter what the opportunities are women's sports just don't get the attention that men's do you know it's not good or bad or wrong or right it's just the reality of it that it it doesn't happen as much but i would say that it's players like her are the ones who change that because i'm not a i'm not a big tennis fan so i didn't go i don't go seeking out anybody who's playing tennis but she'd be the closest that would come just because about 10 years ago, you realize like, holy cow, we're seeing something different. She plays the game and again, like tiger, she plays it differently. She brings a different attitude to the game and she is head and shoulders above the best in the world 
for a period of like 10 years, just the way Tiger was. It didn't matter how good you were. You'd be the second best golfer in the world. Tiger was going to kick your ass. And it's the same in tennis. Like you could be the second best in the world, better than everybody on the planet, except for one person. And you're going to get smoked by that person. If you play him, I don't know. It's impossible to ever pick one who is like the goat. You can't do it. Uh, it's not even worth really trying, but she's in the conversation. Absolutely. Men, women, doesn't matter. Her success level and her dominance level put her in that conversation. And so it's been a lot of fun to be around while she was doing it. And I don't know, I guess maybe we should have paid more attention uh, along the way. She's an amazing player. Hopefully she's got some money saved for retirement in case, you know, <laughs> she, she needs it going forward. I know that's always a concern once you're on a fixed income. Fellas, <laughs> <But>, um, <laughs> why don't we end this Right there, uh, we'll take our final break. We'll come back. We'll head off the field and talk about the future. Oh, yeah. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We will head off the field and look forward with From the Land Crystal Balls, a look <laughs> into the future. And just to kind of set the stage for this a little bit, I think it is mostly a conversation about technology in the future. We're at an interesting place because born in the late 70s, we knew a world that had barely any cable TV when we were really young and certainly spent a lot of our years without computers in the home, internet, cell phones, anything like that. But we also lived a lot of years in our lives with these things. We're not like as inept at using technology as you know, like say our parents or our grandparents, but we're not as good as at it as like our kids are. But we're in this we're in this space where we have seen a lot of changes with technology and how we view the kind of things that we all love, like sports and TV and movies and music. This hit me today because I remember the first conversation I had with Denko about a high definition television because I didn't have one. I had never seen one before and he owned one. I think your roommate Doug bought oh, yeah. one, right? Cause he had yeah. money. None of us yeah. had money. Doug had money. <laughs> and I remember you telling me like, no man, you can see the players faces during an NFL game. I'm like blown away. Like what? That doesn't make any sense. You know, like the colored blobs moving around, even a good TV at that point. And so that was a thing that I think changed the way we viewed sports and, and just one of the many things that technology has done. So I think our timing in life, and maybe this really comes down to our parents' timing, kind of gives us a unique perspective on how technology influences how we consume entertainment. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about with you guys tonight. And I think we start from the point of what technology do you think changed the way you consume entertainment, TVs, movies, music, sports, the most during our lives? The most. Uh, well, the, the high definition movement was huge because we're all sports fans. So that was a huge change for us. But it became the norm. I'm going to lean towards something a little bit more recent and say the streaming environment that we're living in now, the on-demand, you know, it is everything at our fingertips. If I want to watch a particular movie, the only 
deterrent to that is whether it is free or I might have to pay $4.99 to watch it, right? That is it. That is it. Any movie that exists, I can go out there and just queue up and, and watch. So the streaming environment that we live in now where it's sports, network television, movies, all these series, this is, it's weird to say this because we're in it. I feel like we're in it right now. Like this is the biggest change in technology in our life. And we're in, this is the future. This is the future. (laughs) What's happening now is happening now. (laughs) Boys, we're out of time. I'm out of questions. (laughs) What happened to them? You just missed it. But this, this technology has been amazing, right? I mean, whether it's movies, sports or network television or, or whatever series we want to, to talk about or to join in it, it's, it's all there for us. And um, I can't think of anything in our lifetime that made a bigger difference from an entertainment perspective. I can. Oh, it's the internet. Oh, because that's the only way these things are. <laughs> it's being almost streamed. cheating. Oh, it's almost it way to go. But all right, go ahead. Right. Al Gore. Yeah. No, I'm, I mean, it is. <laughs> no, it is the internet and think how it's changed, right? Like when, when it first started and you're on AOL and dialing up and you're waiting for a picture to load up, it takes a minute. Now you're streaming stuff in, in 4k or 8k or HD or, or whatever it is. It's changed the way that everything we consume is being delivered. Music, film, sports, anything. So for me, that's, that's been the biggest change because nothing else would exist without that at this point, right? Yeah. There's no Spotify, there's no Peacock, there's no HBO Max, there's no Netflix. Uh, it's made everything deliverably easier uh, into your family room, onto your tablet, onto your phone. So it's the internet. You can't argue with the internet. It's the, the low hanging fruit of this discussion for sure, because of course, like nothing is the same without the internet and how it's blown up and the development of like 5G speed and stuff like that to make this all possible to stream. But I'm going with the development of really great TVs. Going from a regular tube to to high definition television to flat screens to the point where you have now humongous televisions that are ridiculously affordable in, in houses everywhere. It makes the experience of staying home and watching something so much better than it used to be that it really has changed the way we do this. Like to the, we've talked about this before, probably a bunch of times. I think it's better to watch an NFL game on TV than it is to be at the stadium now. And that's a humongous change from when we were kids. Think about, would you rather be at the games that the Browns played against the Broncos in the playoffs? Or would you rather watch those on TV? And you wanted to be there. And now I, I think I'd rather watch that game on TV. I think I'd, experience the game better and that only happens if the tvs are just such a higher quality and the technology is just so much better the development of tvs is what i would say has been the the biggest change other than the internet (laughs) for everybody to use um so let's talk about uh looking forward and we'll start with the future of television i think at one point Streaming TV was like a rebellious thing. You were cutting the cord, you were saving money, you were getting away from cable. Am I on to something or am I on something? The current way we stream with multiple services, like maybe like six or eight available services, is not sustainable. You're on to something. For the same reasons people bitched about getting cable and there's so many options, I don't need all of these. And you're segmenting it even more. 
there's a time of the year where um, we have to get whichever Hallmark channel stream app for our TV because of the Christmas movies. It's just too many options. The problem becomes like when I don't know what I want to watch, I waste too much time trying to find something that I want to watch on Amazon or HBO or Netflix or Peacock, all these things I have. And then I just settle in on what's on over the air like Wheel of Fortune. I guess that's what I'm watching because it's too much of a nuisance for me at this point. You should pick up a book. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're on to something just because it's it's become a point where it's too many options uh, and there's only going to increase. It's only going to increase because that's that's the revenue model for most networks now to move to a streaming platform. So it's too much. It's hard to find stuff for me sometimes, maybe because I'm old in the future. (laughs) You're really old in the future. (laughs) I think what Chuck just ended there with is exactly right. I, I think you're on something because I think this is what where it's going. Like this is, it's going to be a la carte top to bottom. We are that generation that has lived through four channels, 10 channels, 150 yes. channels, HD satellite TV, and then streaming TV. Like we've experienced all of it, but after us, after us, it's, it's going to be app based. It's going to be a la carte based. If you want to watch the Cleveland guardians, you're going to, there's going to be a Bally sports app and there already is, but you're just going to, you're going to pay two ninety nine a month for that, for your team. And all the other teams are going to probably follow suit. I, I, that's where I see this is going. So I don't necessarily like it, but like you said, Gers, I look at, I look at what my, my TV app based watching is now. And there's, I think 12 is a, is a low number. I, I have at least that many services on my television to watch what I want to watch. And as things start to change, you're going to see, you know, your Netflixes, your Disney's, your, those kind of things are, they're, they're that's your basic app for what their content is. So maybe the Hulus and the, and the things like that go away because of there might be an FX app, a USA app, whatever it is. And it's just completely a la carte and you put it together. And at the end of the day, you're not saving any money, but you're getting exactly what you want to view, what you want in your home based on your teams, your viewing outside of sports. That's kind of where I think it's going. I think that's where it's going in the short term. I just don't think it lasts long term because eventually it's, it's just going to get too expensive. If you're paying 14 bucks a shot for 10 or 12 different platforms, like, geez, that, that's way more than I spent on. Yeah, I guess that's, you know what I mean? Like it's just, that's my point though. It just like, becomes I like think, a, a money. I thing. think something like, so take like the Bally sports app as, as cause that is something that's national, right? So your Bally sports app has everything to do with who your team is. There's a Bally sports app for Cleveland, for LA, whatever. Yeah, I think what they do is they pare it down to where that is a a minimal charge. But the only way you can get your team is through that sports app, and it's two ninety nine a month for just their season. Okay, you know people are going to sign up to that. Yeah, I think somebody's going to come along and find a way to bundle these things together, and you're going to get you know Netflix, Disney. HBO, something else all together for like 25 bucks a month. They're going to do that. And then eventually it's just going to become cable TV again because you're going to put them all together because you know you don't want to miss anything that's on those other channels. I don't know. Change from cable to streaming and then to something else seems like it's happening really, really fast to me. Like I think that's going to be something that happens quickly, just like streaming kind of took over really quickly in the kind of like the the years that it took for it to go from something that was a novelty to something that everybody, at least in this country, is doing. All right, so 
moving on to the future of radio. A lot of really smart people think that streaming music platforms like Apple and Spotify are going to kill over-the-air radio. Right? Wrong. Is there a future where these live together? Chuck, how's your resume? <laughs> Indeed. <I'm. laughs> I know you're trying to tell me something every week I do this show with Indeed. Um, it's going to exist. It will always, always exist, much like free TV is going to always exist. The same thing that attacked free TV. Gosh, what was it? 30 years ago with HBO was what kind of the first thing. And it's, it's made somewhat of a comeback. There's a 20 plus million dollar advertising campaign going on that will roll out over the next couple of months. It's called the free TV project. And here's why, because a lot of children have no idea that you can get TV for free. You know, like they have, they have oh. no concept of that. Right. And that's something I never had to think about. Like that makes sense. Radio could be a different animal. It will always exist in one form or another. Probably not. It, it has to, it had to change 10 years ago and it chose not to. And it had to change five years ago and it chose not to. When we were young, hey kids, we would just listen to the radio with a cassette and record the song we wanted to hear and we waited for it. That ended five years ago. You can hear any song you want at any time you want. Why would I have to listen here? So what does radio do? It tries to bring this locality to it. What's going on in your community and serving your community. And that will always exist. But... Format wise, I don't know. To me, at this point, the profitable formats are classic hit stations, which they, they kind of appeal to us because you're hearing Bon Jovi and Springsteen and Madonna and Michael Jackson. And country, country's always kind of like behind the curve when it comes to technology. So I think it becomes more of a service medium um, at some point where a lot more news will be delivered over a, a band of radio. Uh, and if you, in most of your big cities, you have an XM band, you have an HD band. And, and if you have HD, what's happening is and what they can find. I'm going to go into the weeds here for one second, but it's, it's profitable for radio. If you have an HD signal, so every station in Cleveland has multiple signals underneath them. So MMS has two subcarriers. What, what, what they found out is they can pass an ungodly amount of data through those subcarrier channels. So it's going to become more profitable to move data through them than it is music. It's not going to mm. be entertainment anymore. So the other revenue stream is, is in, in the next form of data that is coming out is your car, where you're going, why you're going there, what are you doing, how can we target you there? That's how they're going to move that data is through radio, through HD 2s and HD 3s in the future. Wow. All right. Yeah. yeah. Phil, anything to add to the radio discussion? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the I guess the only thing I would say is it seems like there is there's a world where these things live together where you're on air doing your show but you can also package it as like a podcast or something sure. like that for streaming and, and people will follow there and that's maybe where they these two things live together. All right, let's talk about the future of movies. I think I have lost count of how many times people have said that movie theaters were going to die. TV was going to kill movie theaters. VCRs were going to kill movie theaters. The internet was going to kill movie theaters. <laughs> Streaming was going to kill movie theaters. COVID was going to kill movie theaters. So let's start with the premise that movie theaters won't be dying anytime soon. Which of these ideas sounds the best for the movie theater of the future? You are walking into the movie theater with your VR headset in hand to watch your movie. A company is currently creating a magic screen that will allow an entertainer to interact seamlessly 
with patrons at multiple movie theaters all at once. So this is like a Howie Mandel thing where he could do like a show or something like that and he would be seamlessly interacting with say 50 different theaters full of people all at once. Another idea for the movie theater of the future is bring streaming into the theater. And so on a weekly basis, when a new TV show is released, you have a pass to go watch that show at the theater. It would work for something that's huge, like Game of Thrones, something like that that you might want to watch on like a big screen like that. Or how about this one? Amazon buys the movie theaters, uses it for streaming its shows, movies, sports, and then it sells you merchandise out of the theater as well. Phil, which of those sounds the best for the modern movie theater? God, I, I think I hate all of them. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, only because I, I think we, we've all said this many times, like the movie theater is a, is a sacred experience for people who enjoy movies, right? I can watch any movie if I wait a matter of months at home on my couch. And that's great. I do. I enjoy that. But there are certain movies that I want to be in the theater for because it, it doesn't come close to experiencing that way. So basically what you're asking me is what other ways can these buildings be used in the future for entertainment? So the one that sounds the least or the most, I don't know how you worded it. <laughs> um, I, I'd say the the version where big events and, and not just not just Game of Thrones type content. Like, how about sporting events? I think you get someone into a theater for Game of Thrones or Stranger Things. Like, that's a whole nother experience because it's a shared experience with a bunch of people in the same same room. That'd be great. That'd be cool. But throw in there the Ohio State-Michigan game or whatever. Let's do that. I think that's another way for these buildings to fill the seats, so to speak. We were in a small town like north of here last fall. And they've got you know, just like typical Main Street with its one screen movie theater that they have somehow managed to keep open all these years on this Main Street in this small town. And that's what they were doing on a Saturday yep. afternoon. They had the Michigan, whoever Michigan was playing that day, they had it on the movie screen and you could walk next door to a bar and like grab your beers and stuff like that and come in and watch the game. So you're you, my friend, <laughs> are onto something. Chuck, what do you think? I'm in agreement with Phil here. They're all pretty shitty options. And, and I, <laughs> I think I have to look at it from a different standpoint, because in the future, we're older, even older than we are now. And we're used to having that experience of going to a theater, but a lot of kids aren't yeah. right now. Like most of their, most of their intake of media is through a small screen, a phone or a tablet. It is not a gigantic screen. Uh, so out of all those options, which I don't know if are, are, are all that great, maybe it's the interactive aspect of it. Like if it's happening in real time, some sort of exclusivity has to happen in a theater because you still proved this year after COVID that Top Gun worked in a theater because he dug in and said, this is not going to be on any streaming platform. It has to be here. So I think the exclusivity of something, and maybe it is that interaction in multiple multiple cities or however it's happening that that, that it works. But I, I don't know. I'm not sure what if any of those are great, but I think that might be the, the best, to be honest. None of these are my idea, by the way. <laughs> these are all oh, things that sorry. I researched oh, and, are, you didn't and, come and up have been this? brought up as potential uses <laughs> for, for theaters. I think we're sleeping on the VR headset thing. I think we're barely touching on what that's going to be. And I could see that being something that, that happens in movie theaters someday. That and 
um, I think feels right. Like the big time events, you know, you fill that space with people coming in to watch a football game or something like that, or a big time sporting event. I, I think that that could happen. All right. The future of sports stadiums seems like in Cleveland, especially we're always talking about building a new stadium. <laughs> and in our lifetimes, we have seen a lot of changes. Like we went from old municipal stadium to the Jake to Brown stadium to a bunch of changes to the Jake. And now to talks about building potentially a domed football stadium downtown. So as we look at the stadium of the future, which of these ideas sounds like the best one? And again, these are all real things that people are thinking about and talking about. The stadiums become smaller, like only 20,000 seats and only in like a lower bowl of seats right around the field. But then an upper tier above that, that is nothing but open community areas with bars and restaurants and public spaces and stuff like that surrounding this lower bowl of seats. A transparent field where you can watch the game from underneath the field. <laughs> Pop-up stadiums. You essentially have it in a public urban environment, again, a place where you've got multiple places where the public can gather at any time of the year, not just during a game, but the stadium pops up for those events. It's basically like a giant transformer in the middle of your city. Uh, last one, holographic replays, score updates, and advertisements in the stadium while you're watching the game. These aren't all yours, right? <laughs> I don't want to offend you again. I didn't think of any of these. I, good, good. These are ideas that are out okay. there. Yeah, I, I don't know if any of them are great. Uh, the first one's somewhat <laughs> intriguing because it, and that's what a lot of stadiums, at least in smaller markets, have gone to that they realize to get people through the door is not really all about the sporting event. It's the kitty bounce houses and stuff going on, or, you know, or like a loft bar or a restaurant that's above uh, uh, the third base side in, in a baseball stadium. We have that stuff here, um, and especially in like a secondary tertiary markets. We're talking about big markets, though. That one excites me, I guess, because uh, there's a sense of community going on that maybe you don't have to love sport, but there's something that's happening there in that upper bowl. I like the holographic stuff too that you're talking about. I, I think that's kind of where where sports in house is trending. Like it has to be has to be more interactive again. But I think where it's heading, whichever one can integrate gambling better, that's where stadiums are heading now. <laughs> you know, like that. That's where it is. You're gonna have dudes who not only not only love football but are degenerate gamblers, uh, and and they're there to to lose a lot of money. Not only betting on this game or any game, but also on beer and food. So uh, I like the last one maybe because I think that's a little more high tech because it, it, it'll be easier for DraftKings and all those people to kind of come in and say, hey, look at these holograms. Now come over here and bet all this money. I, I think it, <laughs> just gambling is going to run the future of major sports in stadium at least. The first option with the community-based upper tier is something that could be possible in, in Major League Baseball and the NBA. You know, so you've got you've got your twenty to thirty thousand patrons that are going to go to games, and then you just add to it. I don't know that that's a great plan for the NFL, where build a stadium that holds seventy thousand in Cleveland or a hundred thousand in Dallas, and you're filling it no matter what. So I could see that in in a sport like baseball or basketball. I don't I don't know. I, I don't. It, the one thing that the the watch watching the game from underneath. <laughs> 
this is hilarious. However, <laughs> I'm going to be honest right now. Like I went to the Columbus Zoo and they have this exhibit where you can cr- you can go underneath the polar bears. Like you're underneath the polar bears swimming over your head. It's amazing. Like it's unlike anything I've ever experienced Don't knock it till you in try. my life. I'm like, holy shit. I'm looking up at these polar bears swimming underwater above me. So that's intriguing, but I mean, that's probably going to lose its luster after a couple of weeks. Like, all right, I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> stare at, uh, you know, the Brown center's nutsack for another play. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I think of all those, the virtual experience is interesting because I think that's all about advertisement, right? Like that is, that's where that's going. And then the upper tier community based in certain sports, I, I could see that where it's just like a, a set price for, for standing room only basically, but you've got access to all this stuff, be it bars or restaurants or gambling, or just hanging out with a group of people watching the game from above. Yeah. I, I tend to think it's the idea that the stadium gets smaller seating wise. The viewing area is the same size, you know, that you've got just different ways to experience it because I think you've got a lot of people in NFL stadiums that ah, if you take away my seat, but you put me in a huge bar where I can watch the game live. I can also see it on TVs in the area that I'm in. I can be social with my friends and stuff like that. I, I think people, I think people dive into that kind of stuff. I think people would like it. Um, I think the other thing is it's getting expensive to build these yeah. things. An NFL stadium is going to cost you at least a billion dollars now. And there are just there are only so many communities that can support that without changing the model somehow to make it something that's more usable. And so I think smaller stadium, but more area that can be open all year round and used by people is better for the communities, at least. Um, not that that's ever been the reason to build a stadium, but I, I kind of think that maybe it trends that way in the future. And again, with kids that are younger than us, you know, like our kids who maybe don't follow sports quite the way that we do, but would still love to go to an event and be a part of it. I don't know. We'll see. Fellas, thanks for taking some time to talk about the future (laughs) with me. Um, But we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that the Browns fake signed Colin Kaepernick this week. With that news, proving I can still be duped by Twitter. I hope you guys have a great week, and let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. I'm like garbled at the beginning, and then it picks me up and I start going. And I keep having to cut that out, but what it's doing is it's leading to like, it's leading to leading to transitions that aren't like smooth. Mm-hmm. So I think what I might say is when one of you stops talking and it's my turn to talk, I might say like test, test first, and then start what I'm going to say, just so that I I can I can gather up that garbled voice with meaningless words, sure. and then like it'll actually work. We'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> I know. I, will, I know. I will try. I will try to keep yeah, it together. All right. <clears throat> Sorry. I just saw the 
the way that the pitcher for the Rays lost his perfect game and almost got his head knocked off by a double up the middle. Yeah. You see how how many times we hit the Blue Jays pitcher on Friday night? Oh, my God. How great was that? We hit him in the foot. We hit him in the back. We almost hit him again. That was great. (laughs) We'll get to it. (laughs) We will. We will. Yeah. All right. Let's get rolling. Test. 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 Cunt. Cunt. Oh, yeah. That's That's better. better. That's way better. You like that yeah. better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what we'll go yeah. with. That That's keeps me we'll centered. That keeps me centered. I like that. All right. All right. <laughs> I got to do it now. Cops. Hey, Gerbs. Thanks for having me. Cops. 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 You bet, buddy. <laughs> There's no way. It's going to go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll take him. Cut, cut, cut. I don't disagree with for this division for sure. Cut, cut, cut. Love, love the are the guard. Ga- <laughs> 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 Pitch that game, yeah. but man, yeah. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Chuck, is are, are you clicking a pen? No. Phil, are you? No, no. The I think that <laughs> I hear this. the table. No, no, no. Is it that? Like the clicky, table is like, like a, a click. Yeah, like no, a, I don't. I, no, I it doesn't it have a clicky too. thing on it. No. Right. I'm sorry. Right. No, no. I, 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 I will I, keep my. I don't hear a click. <laughs> I will do this for the rest of the <laughs> Everyone show us your hands. <laughs> All right. Cut. Cut. Only in Major League Baseball is celebrated enough. Cut. 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 That doesn't seem right at all. <laughs> it does no. not seem like the right transition here <laughs> at all. Now I got to do it again. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, test, 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 test. I would agree. Not celebrated. So if it's 10 games, is Jimmy Garoppolo your Browns quarterback this year? Oh, God, I just. That would make Tommy happy. It, it, I mean, so, so <laughs> does, does the Browns love Garoppolo? Un- unbelievable. Well, he, well he, he's a he, handsome man. Well, that's true. <laughs> well, and Burke does, well, that's, that goes Burke, without saying. Burke does love like, himself a handsome man. <laughs> no, he had, in like the group text, he had sent something out. Like they, there was an article yeah. I think he shared like a couple of weeks ago. Said, this is a mistake uh, that they're not interested. Um. That'd be amazing, though. So, like, like some guy who makes twenty million just to come in. But they've but got it set up to do it right. They have I the know. space so, to so do it for one year and be if like, if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, mm. there's there's like three teams in the NFL that can afford to pay you your current guaranteed yeah. salary or whatever, and only one of those teams is a playoff roster, and that's the Cleveland Browns. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but is Jimmy G really good? Well, he took the What's 49ers the... to the NFC Championship game last yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> he went to a Super did. Bowl, too. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those it's weird great. It's one of those weird situations. It's almost like they what they would have done had they not burned bridges with Baker Mayfield. They basically would have said, listen, you're not our starter after this year, but we need you this year, so play for your next contract. That's exactly what Jimmy G would yeah. be doing. 
He'd be coming in here, yeah. making $20 million and say, all right, you've got all these weapons. Go out there and prove to the rest of the NFL that you're a winning yeah. quarterback and someone will sign you go, next go year. Go get a $30 million yeah. deal next year. We, some of us think Baker got a raw deal. This guy went to the championship yeah. game yeah, the Super Bowl, <laughs> and they still drafted some yeah. replacement from D3 yeah. football. Like, yeah. uh, you're out. And he looked pretty good in his preseason. He did look yeah. good. Um, yeah. But, man, I, I feel like – the sooner, the sooner uh, Ron Washington Jr. makes his decision, the, the better, right? Because if it's eight games, the Browns probably, all right, let's let's we have enough on our current roster. That's interesting. To go what's out there. The, what's the tipping point? How many well, games is the tipping point before you look? To if you to look grab at the schedule, Jimmy G. If you look at the schedule, and what are you giving up to get Jimmy G? You've already given nothing, up everything to get Watson. Nothing. Nothing yeah, because nothing. nothing because the the 49ers, the 49ers just put don't him, want to pay him. Yeah, they don't want to pay him. If you say you can pay his entire contract, I bet you get away with giving him a fifth round draft pick because okay. they, they don't have, they're not on the hook for any of his contract then. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's probably nothing. Uh, but if if Watson sits down for eight games or less, I think they just roll forward with what they got, because you you think you've you got to come out of eight games at four and four and still be in it. Right. Yeah. But if they sit him down for 10 or 12 and the best you can do out of those 10 or 12 is 500, that's, that's rough. I mean, that's a hard, can't, can you get back into it? If you're six and six with five games left, I, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? You, yeah. You know. With a guy who hasn't played right in almost two full years at that point. Ugh. Yeah. It was, uh, I wrapped up at the Warren County oh, Fair. Yeah. So oh, that's right. Yeah. Six days down there off and on. Um, I'm fared out, boys. Oh, I I'm bet. not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to see any more cows or yeah. fair queens or dairy princesses or bacon on a stick <laughs> or let's go Brandon flags. Oh, boy. Uh, but it was all right, actually. You know, like it was, it, yeah, I forget that. Those are kind of fun, but when you spend that much yeah. time there, it's enough. So it was, a, it was a busy weekend. Our, our fair was this weekend, too. Um, and I've got plenty of friends who are here who are really involved in it. Like, they bring cows and stuff yeah. to it. And yeah. their kids raise cows and show them and, you know, get prizes and stuff like that. And yeah. We usually go once during the weekend and we stay for a couple of hours. And, you know, I like the French fries. I like the lemonade. It's yeah. got like a half a lemon floating in it. It's, yeah, right. you know, That's right. <laughs> exactly yeah. the same one they had at the Maple Festival when I was a kid in Chardon, you know. Right. Um, uh, you know, and then I don't ride the rides anymore. Um, no. And, oh, God. No. no, I had this discussion <laughs> with right. uh, a kid I work with, <clears throat> and he's probably like 24, 25, and he was all excited because – they had something there called the Gravitron. Which oh, yeah. Is basically oh, I love a Gravitron. It spins and you stick to the wall, right? Yeah, right, yeah. right. right. Yeah. So he's like, his his girlfriend came yesterday, and I'm like, go ahead. You're like, I got it covered. It's like, oh, he's all looking forward to riding the Gravitron. <laughs> and he comes comes like stumbling yeah. back yeah. like 40 minutes later. And he's like, I don't feel right. <laughs> I'm like, listen, man. In every man's life, <laughs> you hit a wall yeah. when it comes to these rides. Like, you just can't do yeah. it anymore. For me, it was like the giant pirate ship that does yeah. this. Mm -hmm. 
and my balls went into my throat and I said, that game that's over, it. That's it. it's done. So yeah. So he was, he was nauseous for a little while. That's and, fantastic. Uh, I just kinda said, uh, we've all been there, man. Yeah. Like, we've all been there. Yeah. My head hurts thinking about riding a Gravitron at this point, but right. I remember it, right. it was, it was like the big, like late eighties upgrade to the rotor. Like yep. you, you got That's inside right. of like a spaceship. And it looked like a spaceship. And exactly. Music, right. and, yeah. they, and they had yeah. like neon yeah. lights and stuff. <laughs> Hell that yeah, was yeah. that was that was it. Like the rotor, yeah. you know, yeah. was no longer cool. You had to ride a gravitron. <laughs> uh, was was there any amusement park lobster at this fair? Oh, <laughs> I yeah. didn't see any seafood. Hopefully not. Uh, not right next to the gravitron. Yeah, no. Everything like a lot of Italian sausage and like the normal yeah. stuff, funnel cake, yep. good stuff. Yeah, I didn't see any seafood anywhere down there. No. Good. Yeah, that's good. I, I I still think there's only one place in the world to get amusement park lobster. Um, uh, it's not that just can't be that much in demand uh, from the from the show's twitter account i retweeted the applebee's ad this week for the 12 shrimp for a bite i don't know applebee's did not follow us but we'll see yeah i don't know i don't know what i was watching but you know being up late and I saw it, and that's why I said Gerber's line. Yeah, yeah steak, I know. You have to buy a steak. It's not just for a dollar. You got to get a, you got to get some meat too. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I guess I didn't give you the full story. I don't think I was lying to you, but I did not that's mention right. that you had to order a steak to go along with it. <laughs> What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? Here to amuse you?